Hello and welcome to the Cultural Peeps podcast. My name is Ian Wielden and I'm a lecturer in the School of Arts and Cultures at Newcastle University. This series is part of an ongoing project which explores different career pathways across the museum, gallery, heritage and wider cultural sectors. I really want this series to do three things. The first is to help early career professionals understand the huge range of ever-changing job profiles that now exist. The second aim is to help those professionals interpret job titles in the context of different venues and organisations. Sometimes jobs with the same title can be radically different depending on the organisation. The third aim is to help listeners understand that the people that make up any field of work are all human and that in turn plays a significant part in their unfolding career pathway and decision-making processes. A few caveats. The recordings that form the basis for the podcasts aren't technically perfect. They're often grabbed in busy offices and in between meetings, so you can frequently hear the everyday world of work whirring on in the background. Just a final note, these podcasts are edited down from longer conversations, but I've tried to keep in as much of the original content as possible. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Cultural Peeps podcast. I'm in London outside a very wet space studios, which is where I interviewed today's guest, Karen Davies. Karen lives and works in London and has several different roles. And you'll hear in the interview that she describes herself differently depending on who she's talking to and what priority she's trying to convey. Karen is a practicing artist and has exhibited both nationally and internationally. And she's also head of artist development at Space Studios. Space is a fascinating organization which runs a variety of initiatives designed to support and promote artists. This includes funded residencies, bursaries, and free professional development programs. As head of artist development at Space, Karen helps artists and creative professionals to develop their practice and understand how they can set up and sustain themselves as professional practitioners. The program consists of workshops, one-to-one mentoring and support for artists over a period of six months at a time to help them innovate or change their practice in some way, shape or form. Her third role is for AN, the artist information company, which is based in Newcastle. And Karen works for AN remotely on a range of administrative tasks that feed into various parts of their operation, like their website. In our conversation, we talk about how her interest in art developed. We also talk about how her connections with the art scene in Newcastle developed, initially through her BA in Fine Art at Newcastle University, and then through having a studio at Waygood. After university, Karen went on to undertake a distance learning postgraduate diploma in arts management at Northumbria University, which included a placement at Seven Stories, the Centre for Children's Books, where she continued to volunteer after the end of her programme. In 2002, Karen started working at Baltic, the Centre for Contemporary Art in Gateshead, initially as front of house staff, but then as a freelance artist designing, delivering and facilitating workshops, before then becoming an education programmer with the learning team. 
Alongside that role, Karen continued to work as a freelancer, picking up work with organisations like Creative Partnerships and other universities in the region. In 2010, she received an Arts Council England Individual Grants for Arts Award for research and development of her practice, which provided her with a natural punctuation point and allowed her to focus on her own work. She then describes wanting to break away from Newcastle and start again, somewhere where she wasn't known just as Karen from Baltic first and foremost. Karen then relocated to London to start what was initially a postgraduate diploma and then became a full Masters in Fine Art at Chelsea College of Art. Here we talk about the ongoing challenge of living in London, balancing different jobs and how it can become easy to push your practice to evenings and weekends and sometimes entirely out of your timetable. We also talk about choosing not to be represented by a gallery or a professional organisation and how as an artist that allows her to be completely autonomous in the work she makes and not having to compromise on processes or product. I've put links to as many of the organisations and projects that we cover in the podcast description so if there's anything that you'd like to look up that Karen and I cover in our conversation then that's a good starting point. And don't forget you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud and Facebook using the handle at Cultural Peeps. If you want a bit more information about the Careers Pathway project or about any of the conversations or participants, then there is a project blog which is available at culturalpeeps.wordpress.com. That's it from me for now. I hope you enjoy this week's episode and I hope you find it useful. So hello Karen and thank you for joining me today. Could we just start off by hearing a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do? Yep, Um, well uh, hello Ian, I am an artist and I am also Head of Artist Development here at Space Studios and I also work freelance in a role for AN, the Artist Information Company, as Ops Researcher. Um, So I guess my head is split between three different places. I describe myself differently depending on who I'm speaking to in terms of the order priority. So often I'll talk about being head of artist development, um, also because that's the thing that takes up most of my time. Um, At Space I run a programme of artist development that's partly funded by the European Regional Development Fund, um, which is actually, it's not arts funding, it's business funding. So it's specifically for artists who are self-employed and uh, are based in London. So the region that we're developing is London. And uh, it's a programme that consists of workshops, one-to-ones, um, mentoring and support for artists over periods of six months at a time um, to innovate or um change their practice in some way, shape or form. Um, at AN, the Artist Information Company, I, I work remotely and this is kind of an administrative task that feeds into their, their website. Uh, both of these things are roles that I've had that essentially support my artistic practice. So I have a studio based up in Tottenham 
and when I'm not at work, I am in my studio. <laughs> so how do you split your time between there? So how many hours do you work here at Space and how many hours do you do for AN? I work um, four days a week at Space and I work a day a week, or near enough a bit more than that actually, it's kind of 10 hours a week for, um, for AN. Right. So I work full time yeah. uh, in those roles and that's not unusual for um, artists who are living and working in London because obviously it's a, one of the most expensive cities to live and be in in the world yeah. uh, and that's kind of the practicality of uh, having to do that kind of juggle in order to sustain my artistic practice. So do you do that practice in the evenings and at weekends or is your job or the two jobs that you've got are they flexible enough to allow you to to, to kind of pick and choose when you work normally I Saturday would be a studio day um, I, usually at some point during the week I'm doing other kind of things that feed into my practice and I'm finding uh, you find other ways and means I guess of making your art your art head still exist because it's actually quite important to my role that I'm an artist as well because then I have this kind of empathy with the artists that I work with and I'm yeah understanding of how to develop programmes that are specifically aimed at artists and supportive of them and what they do. So the, 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 the job title you've got here at Space, yeah. is that important in terms of defining the role? Does that help you to kind of keep things manageable there so that you've got time to do those other things? Well, I work for an arts organisation, which means that I do a bit of everything and have done in every <laughs> job that I've ever worked in, okay. and I don't think yeah. I don't think that's unusual. You kind of, you know, I'm running events with artists, which means I'm setting out the chairs and taking them up and off and mopping a floor as well as yeah. pouring wine and doing the presentation and inviting the speakers. Yeah. That's pretty much part and parcel of working for an arts organisation that is a charity and is also NPO funded but also I think that most arts organisations don't have enough um, resources whether that's money or people mm -hmm. essentially so everyone that I my team that I work with and the wider team at Space um, you know we're all working hard to kind of produce yeah. what we're producing it means that everyone has to do every job. Um, so how big's the team here at Space? Uh, within, so I work with a team called London Creative Network and there are uh, four of us in that, within that team and then we also, the wider programmes team, they're probably, um, there's a wider programmes team and then there's the, the kind of people who run the studios and then all the finance and admin people as well. So it's around 20 odd people um, in total. Um, Space is a studios provider first and foremost because we have 20 buildings, uh, 800 artist tenants uh, and that's the, the way that the, the, um, the organisation is run. Uh, and then beyond that, we have a number of programmes. So we have a, an exhibitions programme where we commission artists, usually artists who uh, have their first solo show. So it's kind of getting people at a key moment of time where they haven't necessarily had exposure. Um, we have a learning programme uh, where we work with schools and also kind of work with art and technology with those groups, but also give them ways into meeting artists in studios and thinking about being an artist as career development. 
Um, and we have an art and technology programme, so where we specifically have a res residency artists who then also run workshops, and that is around having that kind of technical practice. So you mentioned before that you kind of do a bit of everything. Is there a, a pattern to your work in terms of day-to-day -day working, or is it... There is a pattern to the programme I want run, so we work in six-month blocks with cohorts of artists, and within that cohort we um, have uh, very specific things that the sessions we run cover, which might be around um, finance and funding, um, it might be around just, you know, so I guess in some ways it's around business skills, yeah. some of that is around how you plan, um, Goal setting and planning is one of the sessions that we run. How you map your network or your economy, so who is around you, how to use them, what are your resources that you already have. But also around things like how you present yourself, whether that's around writing an artist statement or whether that's around how you are on social media and how you actually want to be out there. Yeah. And also it's a network, so we, um, we, we kind of have sessions that run with um, where we do crits. Um, with the artists that are on the um, on the programme. So for London Creative Network at Space, um, because we actually have three other partners who work with um, photographers, filmmakers and designer makers, um, at Space we work with visual artists and so I manage that programme, but also within my job role of, as Head of Artist Development, I also line manage um, the Art and Technology Department here, yeah. as well as um, the, the people within the London Creative Network team. Within the organisation, um, we're always aware of things that are well, advocating for artists, um, so that is part of my role as it is everyone's here, but also yeah. We're always looking at fundraising to see where yeah. the, the next programme is coming from. So the programme that I work on is due to end in March next year. Right. And so we're thinking about what happens next and what what is at space for artist development beyond March so, 2021. So in terms of your artist studio, yeah. is that part of a bigger group of studios that you've got in Tottenham? Yeah, so I work in a studio that isn't, <laughs> isn't a space studio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I work in a studio that um, has 80 artists in it. So that's another community that I guess that I'm part of and um, really enjoy being part of. Um, and I used to live in Tottenham um, and that's, I ended up, I had a friend in the studios and that's how I ended up with a space in there. Um, it's actually an area of London that is ripe for being changed and right. renovated. Uh, renovated. Gentrified. Gentrified, yeah. So, <laughs> the word. Yeah, Tot Tottenham is an area that is about to change and, and certainly the area of um, Tottenham where my studio is has quite a number of... It's an, on an industrial estate. It has a number of places. There are live-work spaces run by other organisations there and... There is an artist community, but obviously this is kind of, this is a Victoria line yeah. area, three stops away from King's Cross. So yeah. it's, um, it's, it's a, an interesting area yeah. to, to be in as it's changing, and certainly. And do you have to give a lot of your time to that kind of community to keep that 
running or do you just hire a studio there? Is it just somewhere that you go kind of pay rent for? And... It's, I've actually got open studios coming up this weekend, funnily enough. Um, so it's in that respect, it's, you know, at this moment in time, I do feel like I'm a big part of that community because we'll we actually get to see what else is going on in the building because for most artists, you're whatever you're doing in terms of supporting your practice, or even if you're working full-time on your practice, which is kind of rare, yeah. um, your studio time is very precious. And so a lot of people, you know, you go to your studio, you close your door, and you get on with the things you need to get on with. So um, open studios are a brilliant time to just see what else goes on in the building and just catch up with people who you might not have seen for 12 months, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And does that take quite a lot of discipline to go to the studio after you've after you've done four days' work and then this is the day of freelance? Is that something that's quite difficult? Yeah, it's absolutely... Uh, the balance absolutely is not correct in my life at all <laughs> in terms of my artistic practice. I mean, the thing that I'm lucky enough to do is that I... You know, my job isn't... Um, I'm not waitressing or in Tesco's. I'm actually in a job where I'm around artists yeah. and people involved in the arts every single day. So I also see myself as taking part in the programme that I'm actually devising yeah. because it's really valuable to me and I meet a lot of artists. And also I see how much they achieve in six months. And they are also artists who are juggling, particularly London. Um, and, you know, they may have families, they might have jobs, you know, everyone has other priorities pulling them away from their work, but to be able to kind of still be making work is a phenomenal thing. So I've always funded my practice through other work. Um, I graduated from Newcastle Uni in 1998, so to me, to still actually have a studio and actually be doing it and thinking yeah. about it 20 years on, is uh, quite an achievement yeah, it because um, it's not straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> so, so is this something that you... You talked about being an artist. Is that something that you always wanted to be? Um, I don't think I quite knew what I wanted to be, um, but I was good at drawing at school um, and I really got a lot of satisfaction um, out of the, well, creative process, for want of a better term. So there's something, you know, you kind of go somewhere else, yeah. I guess, in the same way as if you're a musician or if you're a writer, there's somewhere that you kind of, um, you kind of take yourself. Um, but what was really interesting to me was um, at school and actually my English teacher rather than my art teacher, I remember brought in um, a catalogue of um, works that he had from um, a show that they'd had at the Tate, uh, which he loaned to me. And there was an image of um, a Max Beckman um, painting in there um, of, of people just hiding in an attic during World War II and, you know, just this utter horror and this repulsive image and I just thought wow this is what art has the power to do and say and comment on in a period of time and um, and it's always kind of fascinated me from that moment yeah. that although my background at that point at school was you know to be involved with something with incredible technical skill and a love of making that there was something 
that took you somewhere else in a different way yeah. in terms of intellectually and also in terms of art having a real power. Yeah. Was that before you took GCSEs? Was that you probably around taken? that time? Yeah, as a kind of teenager. So I guess you're sort of thinking about your. So you gravitated towards those subjects that you were really interested in and quite good at in yeah. the first instance. And I mean that the image thing's amazing that that one one yeah, thing yeah, really yeah. stands out as being so powerful. Yeah, it just so kind of I, I was thinking about it recently because there was a short um, tip where they had some um, was it the night or the carnival? I'd have to find out the name of the picture, but they had some. Um, some prints that he'd done, some lithographs of it. So um, I kind of re-saw it recently and went, oh, yeah, that. I remember you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So did you have any careers advice around that time? Do you remember any? Oh, well, yes. I don't come from an area where there are artists, let's be honest. And uh, I hadn't really been to art galleries before. It's quite difficult when you're that age to actually know well, a that, frame of reference. Well, there. even though the artists are still alive when you're studying, yeah. you know, yeah. Van Gogh and drawing a Dr. Martin boot or a kettle and, and actually thinking, well, these things are yeah. kind of relevant. So, I don't know. Yeah, I... The... Yeah, career's advice was kind of limited at school. And I'm the first generation of my family to go to university. So you, you followed that through from GCSEs to A-levels? Yeah. And then did you, did you, was there a moment when you realised that you could go to university or was that, was that a plan that was there? Uh, yeah, well, I, I wanted to... Well, there, there was a perception if you, you were doing well at school, I think, um, you know, but there wasn't necessarily that kind of direction. So, yeah. for instance, when I then decided after A-levels that I was going to do a foundation course, which would then um, then ultimately mean doing an art degree after it. Um, you know, my English teacher in particular, I remember, couldn't understand why I wasn't going off to study English somewhere. Right. Um, so you get those things quite segmented in, in terms of subjects. It's an interesting one, because I, I, I remember at sixth form, having that kind of interesting thing where it was really clear that I was doing art yeah. and the English teachers knew I was doing art. Yeah. <laughs> All of the other subjects knew that that's what I was doing. <laughs> that's the, so I just um, wondered whether that no, was the same. It, it wasn't obvious that I, no, I, I think that even, my A-levels I did art, English and history and to right. me they were completely related even in yeah. terms of the period of time that you're looking at um, in you know, World War Two. Um, for when the artists are making and when people are writing and what yeah. is actually going on in the world. So it's, you know, a, it's a pretty important thing that those things all fitted in together. But I didn't... They're the things you're interested in, they're yeah. the things that you're interested in. So I, I saw them as interlocking in a way, and they still yeah. do. I still don't think it, arts isn't influenced by history. Or, you know, or, yeah. you know, sometimes in my studio I'm just writing. So... Um, so you went to foundation? Yeah, so I was, um, so I grew up in Peterlee, which is, yeah, new town in the northeast of England, um, in the middle of um, uh, mining communities there. Um, I did my foundation year at Sunderland University. Right. Um, 
So at the time, the places to do that were uh, Sunderland, Hartlepool and Newcastle. It's Newcastle College, yeah. Cleveland College of Art, I guess. So did you relocate for that or were you commuting? No, 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 I you just were commuting everything. at yeah. that point. Dragging a portfolio yeah. and random <laughs> things on a bus aged 18 and have continued to do that for the rest of my life. <laughs> when you were at Foundation, were you starting to specialise in anything or were you just experimenting with everything that the Foundation um, ex- had to offer? Experimenting, but it was clear that it was always going to be visual arts over, you know, fashion or, you yeah. know, any of the, the kind of other elements that we looked at. And particularly, um, it was um, painterly stuff that I was doing. Right. You went on to Newcastle? Yeah. So was that straight away? Any gaps there or no? No. So I went from uh, so I went from foundation at Sunderland to a four year degree as it is at Newcastle University. So it's kind of knocking on the grand old age of twenty three by the time I finished my degree, <laughs> which felt like I was yeah. ancient and kind of should be a bit more grown up by then. And were you picking up any art history well, other than the kind of basic stuff that Newcastle offered at that point? Were you picking anything additional or was it, were you concentrating on studio practice? No, I mean, it, there was a massive emphasis on art history or the, the, the time. I don't know quite if the, the course runs in quite the same way, but yeah, there was, that was a big element of... A big chunk of that. And also, you know, it wasn't something I'd had before, so yeah. I absolutely loved that part of it. And often, I actually... In terms of my grades, when I was at um, Newcastle Uni, certainly like, my highest marks were for my written work. Yeah. This is interesting. Quite, that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why I'm not earning any money from my art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a possibility that I'm just not a very good artist. <laughs> So, you, were you living in Newcastle by that point? I was, yeah. So, yeah. I, moved, so I moved to Newcastle to study uh, in halls of residence. Yeah, I lived uh, Newcastle for, well, for years beyond the, uh, the BA. But, um, but yeah, that was, uh, and that was a massive, um, it's, you know, it sounds really strange because obviously it's not very far from my hometown in County Durham, but that was, it felt like worlds apart. Um, I'd kind of gone to kind of comprehensive school in a town that had three other comprehensive schools and didn't really understand that um, public schools still existed. Right. Uh, and so I met a lot of people who'd had a very different experience of education to me yeah. and, um, and also met a lot of people who, um, you know, at school I was one of the best people at doing drawing for instance and then suddenly you're actually in a room with incredibly talented people and and people who've seen a lot of the world as well was that difficult um it was fascinating um and also just amazing that you know one of my closest friends from um from being on my BA who I'm still in touch with is an opera singer now. And really? it's like, it really it's like how amazing that we, I've got so much in common with yeah. this person that has, you know, so, but we have. And, um, you know, you kind of meet people and think, oh, how amazing that we have this thing that kind of just keeps us together, if you like. There's, there's just something really lovely about that kind of um, 
just understanding that group of people because also as much as it felt strange going to university, it also kind of growing up in Peterlee was a strange thing when you kind of don't necessarily want to do the things that a lot of people yeah. in the, my hometown do. And I wanted to go somewhere else and yeah. do something different. So outside of the studio practice and the art history stuff, were you doing other things outside the university or were you...? So, I mean, that's sort of... <laughs> that's more, I guess, encouraged now, as it yeah. should be, because you should understand what life's going to be like outside of that, th those walls of the university. But at the time, the, it was very much about, you know... I don't feel like I was prepared for what happened you know, being outside of university next? life. So yeah. it's about the studio practice. So it was about the... studio practice, but also I was also, I had jobs because although back in the 90s, I did have a grant yeah. to pay for my fees. Um, I also had student loans yeah. um, because I had to do that every year. And also I had part-time job to earn money. So I worked in Dixon's at some point. So Dixon's is the equivalent of Curry's, Curry's now. now. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, uh, Athena. I don't know. Is there an equivalent no, to Athena? That's the, Athena. <laughs> a poster, so poster shop. Yeah, some posters. Um, yeah. So yeah, I kind of had those things going on, and whenever I went back home for holidays, I worked in the job that I'd had since I was the weekend job I had since I was fifteen, and did extra hours working in a shop. It sounds as if you've just always had that thing where you've been used to juggling those things and having to compromise something in order yeah. to to get to what you wanted to do, your own practice. Yeah, it is, and it's, I kind of wonder about it a lot because on one, on one way it's always enabled my practice to happen and it means that I'm not, um, I'm in charge of what happens in my studio. Um, I don't have a gallist, um, and so I don't have someone expecting me to make them money. Um, but by the same token, I do think that by having an excuse of, well, I have to earn this money during this period of time, and sometimes it's very easy for me to put things in the way of my practice. Right. And um, I, yeah, I, I don't know, I wonder if that makes... It's a really the, difficult uh, balance, though, that, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, it doesn't even, like, even now, it doesn't occur to me that I could have a full-time practice even though somewhere in me that's a thing that I would really like to do it's it almost uh, yeah would would you do that if that meant that you had to be a bit more commercially minded in terms of the work that you were making is that a compromise too far it's really I, I'm not sure that's it, fair I'm question. so far away from that as an option <laughs> <laughs> sometimes having that choice to just make what you want and not having yes. some other pressure is a really nice thing. It is, yeah. It's, it, it's, I'm completely autonomous in my studio and it means that the, the voice in my artwork is definitely my voice. It's not influenced by other people because I, I you know, kind of... I'm earning my money elsewhere yeah. to pay the bills. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's... A balance that I, I just, you know, I go backwards and forwards about in various degrees of being agonised about it or not. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and have done <clears throat> since 1998. <laughs> well, so let's go back to 1998. So you, you graduated 
and then you want, wanted to stay in Newcastle. Yeah, so Newcastle at that period of time and probably still is a really good place to stay um, as, a, as an arts graduate. And so when I was up in Newcastle, I worked there part-time. Yeah. I had a studio. Uh, I exhibited relatively regularly and um, I had a nice lifestyle in a really nice part of the country. <laughs> um, you know. Yeah. It's, so whereabouts was your studio? Um, it was at what was Weirgood, which is now Baltic 39. Yeah, okay. Um, and for a period of time, Weirgood moved out of that building, which is obviously right in the centre of Newcastle, um, to a space in Biker. Yeah, um, so you had that space as well when it was in... Yeah. It was a, like a, a fa- an old factory, wasn't it? Yeah, it's an old furniture factory in, right. um, in Biker, yeah. So. Yeah. So how long did you have that for? Um, I got the studio just a few months after I graduated. I, I kind of realised I needed to have a studio. I was working at, um, in Newcastle Arts Centre in mm. their craft shop. Um, and, yeah, I really needed to have a space to make work. So, I, so, yeah, so from literally having graduated, so probably back end in 98 or early 99, and then I had a studio with them in whichever location right up until when I left in um, January 2012. Right, so, so it's yeah. a big one. Yeah, it had a lot of money out of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so having a studio and not having a space to work at home, is that important? Be able to delineate that? Yeah, it has, it, it's... Um, I'm definitely a studio-based artist. Okay. Um, I, I need to have that space. I've tried working from home. So when um, I moved down to London, I was in a, a flat that had a, a separate space. And, um, yeah, I, I need to have somewhere to physically just, go to. Right, to start work and then stop working. Start work, stop work, and stop... Um, Doing the other things that have to happen. Watching telly. And uh, domesticity. Like <laughs> doing loads of washing. Doing in the between washing, painting. cooking the dinner, yeah. making, you know, cleaning the bathroom. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. But not... Procrastination. Yeah, just <laughs> prioritising something else. It's yeah. very easy for your artwork to be bottom of the list. Yeah. And to make it that way. So, so when you had that studio at Waygood, you had different jobs yeah. running in the background. I did. So um, so whilst I was working, so when I first graduated, uh, I was working at Newcastle Arts Centre. I then decided I needed to learn more about how things actually work in the art world. So I did a postgraduate diploma in arts management at Northumbria University, and I did okay. that distance learning. Uh, and then I started working at Baltic um, whenever they opened as front of house staff as crew. July 2002. Yeah. Um, And I worked at Baltic for nearly 10 years in a number of different roles, a number of different heads. So the arts management MA, you you did that, was that part-time? Yeah. Um, Well, yeah, even less. It was distance learning, so it's mainly sort of Saturdays and then kind of, um, and kind of, like, like remotely with yeah. like distance learning. And what kind of things did that consist of? It was um, 
just breaking down some of the elements of, of what's expected and, and how how arts organisations function. Also, you got to meet people from, you know, who worked at the Arts Council or from wherever and find out a bit about what they were doing as their job. Um, the reason I was attracted to it was because there was a placement as part of the, um, the course, which, and I knew that that was when I could leave my job at the Arts Centre and do something right, um, okay. else. And so I did a placement um, for... Uh, Seven Stories, the Centre for Children's Books um, and I knew about them because they'd had an exhibition at Newcastle Arts Centre and I felt like they were a really interesting organisation but I didn't really get to know them properly when they'd come and, um, and worked with us at you know, the Arts Centre for their exhibition. So um, I did a placement with them and then when the placement finished I continued to volunteer with them for a long time afterwards actually because they're an amazing organisation and also um, all of my work, uh, paid work up until that point I guess had been very sort of working in a shop or very front of house and very public facing and it was... Um, even just working in an office environment was a yeah, different, different thing. thing. Yeah. So was that before the building opened? Or, or before the building opened. Right. So yeah, they initially they were in this tiny office that I think they um, got for a peppercorn rent out in Elsick almost. Right. Yeah. So I kind of initially did my um, my placement was there, and they were they were raising the money for the building. They're quite phenomenal organisation. Yeah. I'm trying to kind of make sure that I've got everything kind of mapped together here. Yeah, so, yeah, um, you, You've got the placement voluntary work at Seven Stories yeah. and then you started working at Baltic. Yeah. So that means that you've moved away from that working for shops, Athena, Curry's or, or Dixon's as it was then. Yeah, but that was the fact that I'd done that meant that I was perfect for standing in front of people who turn up into this building that feels like it's been dropped from wherever, <laughs> full of um, contemporary art that people, you know, come into because they've come to this landmark building that they've known yeah. on the Tyne that's been around them. Um, but, you know, it's often for the visitors, it was their first visit to any kind of gallery, no, never mind kind of trying to show international contemporary art. So you need to be able to be around people and to chat to them about mm. stuff in a way that they understand and don't feel patronised or, um, or like it's not for them because I guess the whole ethos throughout my kind of my career has been to make sure that people know that art is actually a choice for them and that's how I ended up working with the learning team at Baltic because I want people as far as possible to know that this is something that is you know whether they like it or not like yeah. it they should know that they they can have it yeah so how did you make that transition from the front of house staff the well, the baltic crew as they were called then to the the learning team i initially worked freelance as one of um as one of the team who delivers workshops so okay. i've done a little bit of that but not very much um but uh they they kind of took me on and I, I started doing the workshop element right. of it. So I was working, I was still working front of house, but occasionally I would do run a workshop at schools or I'd work on yeah. a weekend to um, deliver their, their kind of learning programme. Um, and then um, the opportunity came up to apply for a role as education programmer. 
and um, and yeah, so I applied for that and got that with my my kind of. Were you full time at Baltic? Um, yeah, it was three days a week at Baltic. I think at some point I was four. Um, so when I was working full front of house, I was three days a week. Um, but also at that point, because I'd started doing the workshops, I'd become self-employed. Um, so I guess that's worth kind of pointing out as well. Yeah. So even now, I'm partly PAYE, employ- yeah. an employed person, and I'm also self-employed. So I'm registered with HMRC, and I do a tax return every year and have done for, for all of those years. Um, so, um, so yeah, I was, so I'd done some freelance work elsewhere, um, when I worked as education programmer, I was working for full time, I think, but also I took on freelance work, working with Baltic and creative partnerships. Um, I did some evaluation work with Sunderland Universities. There've been odd little bits and bobs that yeah. have kind of popped in as the opportunities come up. Well, is that difficult to, to balance that freelance element there? Um, not when you're not earning very much money. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not really. It's quite, you know, I, you, no, it's quite straightforward. You would have to do, you know, I do a short yeah. tax return. It's, it's, so or do you, you mean not, in terms of time or do you mean in well, terms guess, of the actual practicalities of paperwork? I guess it's just one of those tricky things. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to imagine what that would be like and thinking to yourself, well, I think kind of keeping everything in its place is really... A, a skill within itself, isn't it? I'm, I'm thinking that not everybody could do that. But that, that must take quite a lot of discipline. When I worked full-time at Baltic, I worked full-time in that role just because I couldn't, you know, yeah. it was the, the thing that um, I had to do. But we work for arts organisations, so there aren't really that many people who work full-time. Yeah. Certainly not in this building here at Space. A lot of people are juggling other projects. So just because of the nature of... Um, the funding jobs are offered at part time. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, I... you worked at Baltic right the way through to um, the end of two thousand eleven. Yeah. And that was with the learning team. Yeah. So I worked initially as education programmer. Yeah. Um, I was covering maternity leave, and then I was kept on still part-time doing that role and the the kind of the form of this or the structure of the team changed slightly and we realized that the education programmer role was kind of too big to look after primary schools secondary schools fe and he yeah and that actually what there needed to be was a role for someone that looked at kind of universities and beyond. Yeah. And so um, a role was created um, and I worked three days a week as a university and continuing professional development programmer. Okay. Um, so that included um, having a relationship with the regional universities, so Sunderland, Newcastle, Northumbria, Durham, and you know Teesside and also the Open University which is just around the corner as well Um, but also running the talks program um, and any kind of professional development for artists as well. How important was that in terms of your network of of people so coming out of university and being part of Wagon's going to have 
quite a kind of yeah. significant network attached to it. The Baltic impact on that as well. It was incredible because the building opened just, you know, we all started the job at the same time. So yeah. there was a feeling like, you know, you think when you go to university, you're never going to have that experience again of meeting yeah. that group of like-minded people. And actually at Baltic, it really felt like that happened um, again, that there was, you know, this group yeah, of artists who just all... Yeah, people all started on the same day and yeah. did training on the same day. Yeah, and, all, and also you kind of feel like because you found your sort of network within your city and, you know, Newcastle is a, a, a very small city in terms of it, its art network, you... Yeah you met a whole bunch of other people that didn't you maybe didn't know were there. Yeah. So that was great. So were you thinking at this point that Newcastle was where you were going to stay or did you have thoughts about moving elsewhere? Um, pretty much, but I also, always in the back of my head, I was very aware that I never moved away from the northeast to go to university. So um, I knew that if I did a master's that I want to, to be at um, a London or a Scottish college. Right. Um, because that's what I'd not done um, when I did my BA. And I think I, I just felt like there was an experience I'd missed from not, you know, changing my surroundings. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of just having that, what a geographical impact would be. And also um, having then worked as an artist, uh, you know, and, and been in the Northeast for an amount of time. I never wanted to do the MA straight away. I didn't feel like I was ready for it. But when I was ready for it, I also just wanted to meet people that were from other places in the world and right. just be much more international. And so that's how I ended up applying for London right. universities. But over a period of years, I didn't get in straight away. Right, okay. Um, and, and so was there a natural kind of punctuation point in Newcastle? Was it like the end of a contract or...? Or did you kind of say, right, this is it, I'm going and hand you noticing on things and quit your studio and things like that? Um, a couple of things happened. Um, at some point, I was um, successful with Smarts Council funding and it was there was a contract due to, an, to end and I thought this is a good um, period of time to apply for funding because if I don't know what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask for the thing that I want, which was some research and development money for a period of three months right. and that was in uh god i can't remember when i'll, I'll find out <laughs> but that it was for me a time that i could actually say Do you know what i'm dedicating that three months just to my artistic practice yeah and so um so i was successful in that front in that funding and um, had that period of time and kind of, you know, dared to dream of a world where I didn't have that job. But what happened was obviously my contract was extended and um, and so I kind of came back to um, my role at Baltic. Right. Um, but it did make me think, well, actually, when if I'm going to do an MA, when am I going to do it? Because, you know, when I did choose to do my master's, it was kind of in my mid-30s. Yeah. Um, so you applying for Scottish and London based? Yeah, so um, Glasgow, I applied to um, a couple of times, I think, and then in London, um, Royal College, uh, more than once, um, and at Chelsea, which is where I ended up. Um, I actually applied for the masters and was offered the postgrad diploma. Right. 
Um, so was the diploma, was that kind of minus the dissertation element? Or? No, no, it still had it. It was a shorter run, so it was from January to um, end of August or right, September. Okay. So right. it was kind of a shorter G- course, G-semesters. really intense. And uh, yeah, and absolutely brilliant. They were only for like 20-odd of us, 30 max people right. on that course. And it's a really intense period of time. Sadly, they don't do it anymore, but um, it was... Um, yeah, just another one of those kind of crucial points, I yeah. guess, where you... So you've almost got like a third a third time in your life of starting again with a group of people. That yeah, yeah, yeah. So the second being that Baltic one. Yeah, and then and also just being able to fund for that as well, because yeah. I'm not someone who has a lot of money. So I managed to get... Um, Funding for that, and also immediately as soon as I found out I was on the course, I did things like I, well, I did any amount of free, freelance work. Um, I gave up my studio and saved that money each month, right. and just found ways of actually making it happen yeah. and thinking about moving to London because the money never adds up yeah. to move down here. It just never does. But trying to put as many things in place to be. Um, financially viable. Was starting at Chelsea the first time really since you'd been on your undergrad where you you were committed to that full time to your studio apart from when you had that arts council money? Yeah, yeah I guess, yeah. Did you work at all around that as well? Um, I, funnily enough, I would come back to Baltic at holidays and do things like, um, you know, my favourite was the pumpkin carving every every half term, every October half term, I did Halloween pumpkin carving and they were really, yeah, they were really good if there were, if there was an opportunity that I was the person that would fit because I'd be travelling up north in any case to kind of see family and, and so I make sure if I was coming up, I'd try and get some freelance work in as well. So you you relocated to London? Yep. And I guess the question there is, did you think that you'd go back to Newcastle at that point? Um, I had another um, moment where I just thought this is the kind of place that I belong. So similar to meeting people at Newcastle Uni, I just thought, actually, this this place suits me. Yeah. been in Newcastle for too long, I think, and right. in the northeast. And um, as an artist, I think I found, uh, but uh, I mean, I don't know how much this is just my own perception of it, but that people would know me as Karen from Baltic, uh, right, not okay. as an artist. And um, and I kind of, I don't know, I guess. So this allows you to redefine a little bit. Though. Yeah, that yeah, because. I mean, absolutely. I mean, as I was describing it to you earlier, working three days a week, having a nice lifestyle, having a studio all that time, but there was just, there was still something that wasn't quite right in terms of um, what I wanted to happen next. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of... When I'm working all of the hours in this city <laughs> of London, um, it, you do sometimes think, of, why am I not living somewhere where I just jump on a metro and go to the coast? Mm-hmm. For, you know, it's amazing, a brilliant place. But, um, but no, I kind of felt that this is where I wanted to be. And So you came to the end of that programme yep. at Chelsea and 
So I did the postgrad diploma, and whilst I was on the postgrad diploma, applied to do the masters, which was a further year right. beyond that, running from September to September. So I finished. Um, I graduated in uh, from my MA in September two thousand thirteen, um, on a course that then had ninety people on it, rather right. than the kind of twenty or thirty we had on a, yeah. on the PG dip. So it's really. Um, yeah, really kind of overly subscribed, obviously. And I'm guessing at that point your studio was on campus rather yeah. than... So did you try and dovetail that with getting a studio at the end of that process? I think my priority was really to... At that point I knew I wanted to stay in London, so my priority was to be able to stay in London. Right. And that would have a... I'd need to afford rent before I could afford studio rent. So for three years, I guess, after I graduated, I'm just trying to add up in my head. Yeah, for a period of time, I worked for three different freelance jobs. So the same job every week, but... Simultaneously, Simultaneously. Right, wow. So I work, worked for AN, so yeah. I've worked for them for a number of years, um, and that works the same way as it does now, when working remotely. Um, doing essentially what's admin work. Um, but for an organisation that I think are doing amazing things and advocate for artists and have campaigns for artists. So um, an organisation that I'm really interested in and want to be part of. Um, I worked for... I taught observational drawing and painting, which is strange because I don't actually do observational drawing or painting, <laughs> um, for an organisation in Chelsea um, that is a studio for school children who do art classes after school. Right. So these are privately educated children who are getting extra lessons essentially on evenings and weekends. So that's how I spent evenings and weekends. Mm. Um, and I also was gallery manager for Workplace, um, who have their base in Gateshead, but also um, had just opened a space in London. So I was doing gallery management work for them on a Friday and Saturday. Right. So again, you're kind of juggling loads of things. That was impossible. Absolutely impossible to have your head in that many places and in different completely different roles yeah, where you're doing... Non-related things. Yeah, 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 it felt completely, yeah. you know, trying to explain kind of artistic concepts to a seven-year-old, to going and painting a gallery floor, to checking, proofreading copy for an online publication, to showing around collectors, pouring wine, you know, it, it's but meeting it, artists. It's a really complicated group of skills there that you've got because they're all quite different but then they do all relate to each other Jack of all they might be called (laughs) It's an an interesting one though isn't it because it it shows quite a lot of versatility doesn't it to be able to kind of hold all those things together Yeah and I think that you know you I think to have done every role in an organisation I think it means that when I've come so the the job that I'm doing at the Mm. moment I am as head of artist development you know it's the first time I've actually formally line managed people and I think that it really is beneficial to me as a manager to actually have understood or to understand what people are doing within their job role and understand how they're working and, and what their motivations are as well and try and be supportive 
Yeah. Are there people that you've gone to throughout your career to sound them out about decisions? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Yeah, usually, formally, um, I think you go to the person with the expertise and trust that person before you kind of d decide on something in the same way as, you know, if, if I make a decision here at space um, that's vaguely related to budget, I will actually go and sit down with a financial yeah. director. So if I am starting out as a university and CPD programmer, which is a role that just starts, then I'm going to choose, go and speak to some lecturers who are on the ground and say what is actually needed here yeah. and what's your, you know, what do you want from this? I see it as an extension to how you would work with a team in an organisation right. because essentially we're kind of all colleagues across a sector yeah. um, and uh, that's, I think it's good shared best practice. So how long were you at Workplace and doing the life drawing and you're oh, still God. doing? Yeah, um, it was over a period of a year and a half to two years, I think, and it was, uh, yeah. And then did you just kind of make a decision and say, can't do these, all of these things, or did something else come along? Um, I had, I was given more hours at AN, and yeah. so I stopped working at the gallery. Um, and then when I got the opportunity to have the job here at Space. So initially as artist development manager was my role on the programme that I run now. Um, then that was four days a week. So I, um, I kind of kept AN on because I don't seem to be able to give it up. <laughs> no, I, I kept on AN because um, I was very aware that I was still taking on a job that had a contract that, um, yeah. that had an end date. Yeah. Um, so, so I like was layering still... the potential risk yeah. that's there. Yeah, yeah. And so, I, well, and also London's an expensive place to live in. Yeah. So did you know people at Space before you applied for this role? Um, I'd actually had an interview a year or so before for a different job. Right. Um, and they remembered me. Right, okay. Um, and so um, I, I was on their list of people to let know that the right. role was coming up. And so, yeah, and this was much better suited to me. Yeah, so you started that role and that's part-time, or is that full-time? It was four days four. Uh, in 2016, yeah. yeah. And you got a studio by this point already? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, how did you make the transition from that role to the one that you're doing now? Um, essentially, it's running the same programme, um, so, um, but it was only running the programme and now the transition is that I've taken on a, a broader um, All right, okay. artist development yeah. remit, which yeah. is taking on art and technology. Yeah. yeah, as well as um, as well as LCM, and that's on a fixed term, is that right? Yeah, so I have a contract until yeah March next yeah. year. What advice might you give somebody that was thinking about a similar path, you know, committing to to being an artist? What advice could you provide for for them? Um, well, I don't think there's 
one pass is the <laughs> initial thing, which is really frustrating when you hear that, which I kind of remember hearing when I was younger, but I, it's really true um, that I guess you kind of... I, we always talk about balance and actually more recently in, in you know the last year or so we all talk about well-being which I think is a massive issue yeah. in the sector um, but it's about thinking about what your priorities are and sometimes that is about earning a living to, yeah. <laughs> to, to do whatever you need to do in terms of if you've got a family or you know if you've got high rent or you're, you know wherever you're living or you know, or caring responsibilities. Um, so I think the priorities kind of move um, and the opportunities do as well. So Thank you very much for your time, uh, Karen, and good luck in the future. Thank you, it's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud and Facebook using the handle Cultural Peeps. And if you want a bit more information about the Careers Pathway project or about any of the conversations or participants, then there's a project blog which is available at culturalpeeps.wordpress.com. 